Welcome to the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium podcast, a podcast about this nursing life. I'm Nicole Nash-Arnold from Nurse Manager HQ. And I'm Sue Walker from the Nursing CPD Institute. And together each week, we seek out interesting people to discover what a red-hot nursing life looks like. Today, I welcome to this microphone is Luke Yakota. Luke is a guy on a mission. It's okay for men to care. He's taken up the vision of creating nursing as a career option that it's not only okay for men to care, but it is to be embraced. Luke has drawn upon his own personal experience as a man in a woman's world and the barriers that he has faced, and he joins us today to talk more about his vision for men in nursing. But first, Luke, can we just discuss as a very first port of call about how you've been nominated as Young Australian of the Year? Bloody hell, that is absolutely amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Nick. How did that come about? Yeah, that was actually a big surprise for myself. I was actually down at the National Nursing Forum in Hobart. I was like, oh, just a few minutes before we're leaving to go to the conference. But the Queensland Premier's office has emailed me and I was like, what was this for? So maybe I was in trouble, but no, it was actually <laughs> notification that I had been nominated and I, I actually didn't know who had nominated me at that stage. But then I actually found out it was through my work with the Australian College of Nursing and with the Men in Nursing campaign, as you said. And we're going to talk further about that, but that must be quite something. And it's quite something for us all on behalf of all the 400,000 nurses that are in Australia. It's really exciting to see a nurse up there and nominated in that capacity, which is so amazing. Does it feel really great? Oh, it does. And I can have some of my close friends say that to me. It's like, hey, you know, there hasn't been a nurse nominated in a long, long time. Um, I actually was just having a look back and I couldn't actually see any nurses in the young Australian category within the past few years. So it was, it was a, a great privilege to represent the profession in that way. Very cool. And Luke, as I alluded to in your introduction, you face some fairly confronting barriers in your career as a man in nursing so far, right from the day that I read when you finished school and you had plenty of options, academically speaking, and there were some people in your life that questioned your choice to be a nurse. So tell me more about the barriers that you have faced. Yeah, so those barriers have come from or in my belief, social stigmas and stereotypes. So my particular barrier was with my grandfather. That happened, as you said, when I was just about to leave high school. I was very enthusiastic, very much looking forward to a career in something, and I decided to do nursing. Naturally, I would assume that people would be excited for me, encouraged and supportive, but Unfortunately, when I told my grandfather, it was more or less seen as a joke and he laughed. That was not the best feeling. No. Um, So this is where it really all stems from because it's challenging the idea of the notion of what nursing is and that it's no way defined by the gender you are. Absolutely. And you've written an e-book that goes deep into that. So tell me more about that. Yes, so the ebook, I was one of the main editors and people involved with creating it. So I've got my story in it as well, but it's, oh, how many again? I think there's 28 people who contributed to the ebook. So it's all the way from undergraduate to a chief nursing officer. And they have shared their very, very raw, very real, and 
really down to earth stories on why they became a nurse. What was it like 40 years ago when they started compared to someone who's like myself or someone who's in an, in an undergraduate position who has only been in the profession maybe two, three, five years. And it's really, really important to see that change over time. And the main goal of the Men in Nursing ebook is actually say, hey, this is, this is men who are nurses at this point in time. They love what they do. This is their story, and I'm hopefully you're inspired by that. Mm. And I imagine, I mean, you've spent a lot of your brain space thinking and percolating around those ideas that you will have gleaned from being involved in that process. Uh, and it's interesting what you say about for this point of time, each of those generations would have had a very different experience as time has moved on. Is there a story that pops up? Yeah, so... We had someone contribute who's been in the nursing profession for decades. And it was really interesting because he shares a story how I think he was one of two in his in his intake for nursing training. That was back when um, training was done in the hospitals. And he was recruited by a previous matron. But by the time he was being employed and in the workplace, that matron had left and a new matron came in. And she very quickly, if that be explicitly or implicitly, was a bit shocked or a bit, let's say, not the most encouraging support for a man wanting to do nursing. And then he makes it clear in his, in his writing in the ebook that he may have not gotten the job if that matron was there when he was interviewing. Uh-huh. Um, so that was one experience. So that's back a few decades ago. Whereas if you come up to this day and age, there's a lovely story that describes a man who was quite successful and he just felt like it wasn't fulfilling him anymore so he decided hmm, maybe there's something else so he went and looked and he said nursing healthcare that's what i want to do and for him like even from his colleagues a lot of pushback saying you know nursing's not that great career it's, it's a dead-end career and why would you possibly choose that over this so you could see even from that perspective there's also still modern day perspectives and barriers to do with nursing. And I think that's one of the most important things that I was really excited to get in, which was if there were no barriers, what is it that you would like to see for men in nursing? Uh, Listen, I'm not a fortune teller, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm not too sure what it would look like, but even though my focus is the men in nursing campaign, it touches more broadly on diversity, gender equality in every aspect of our society, hopefully. So just in the same way, I'm encouraging more men to pursue nursing if, if they so choose, but we're trying to break down those barriers so it makes them easier and hopefully they don't come against those stigmas that may otherwise convince them not to pursue nursing. Just in the same way, I'm just as encouraging as women wanting to enter engineering or other professions that were dominated by the opposite gender because I think it's a time in 2019 that we shouldn't be choosing our career based on the expectations, on stereotypes and stigmas, but we should just choose the career that works for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. It must be one of the few professions that is so predominantly women. And I think the data now in Australia is 89% is Mm. women and Mm. leaving only 11% for men. So it's... It's a fascinating social reflection on that reverse. And even sometimes 
it's a struggle for me sometimes even with gender neutral language because I have a habit of calling my colleague sister. It's a bit of tongue in cheek, you know, and I'll even sue my co-host, I'll say, sister, what did you think? And even there's some language that was so common for us that comes from decades and decades and decades of us being a very female-dominated industry. So it's interesting to hear the story and the perspectives of what happens when you're the reverse. Mm. Well, listen, I don't think we should be um, discounting our history. Like, I actually quite like the notion of calling each other sister. I think that comes from a root that was uh, very affectionate and actually made the profession what it is today. But you're right in the sense of using as a way to, I guess, put someone else down. I'm definitely not a promoter of that. And also in the same way that people sometimes, what do we call you? We can't call you sister. Do we call you Merce? Or do we call you Mr. Sister? Um, you know. I often use Mr. Sister. It's my favourite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, if that's said affectionately and with a good intention, I don't personally take offence to that. That's my right. stance on that. But, that's good because I'll be playing yeah. back as I use it in the future going, no, Luke said it was all right. You know, you know, but listen, listen, that is me. So you have to ask anyone else what they, what they want to be called, but yeah. Now, the other thing is you're currently the chair of the Men in Nursing Working Party with the Australian College of Nursing, and that's got some pretty amazing objectives about what it hopes to achieve and future men considering this as a wonderful career option. Tell me about those. That's, that's very good. So with the Australian College of Nursing, we are the national group that's working directly with the college to promote men in nursing. So the objectives we are going with at the moment is, for one, changing public perception. Two is making it very, very normal for someone to pursue nursing. Because a bit of the background was when I was speaking in the auditorium at the 2018 National Nursing Forum where the Federal Health Minister Greg Hunt spoke, that's where this all actually started because... During that time, the health minister was talking about the nursing strategic plan, where we're taking nursing, how will nursing become a profession for the future. And it's actually during that time he was speaking, he also said a side comment on, oh, we should also encourage more men to enter the profession. And actually piqued my interest. So originally I thought, oh, maybe I can catch him on the side before he left, just have a quick chat on the side. But what happened was at the end there was time for questions and comments. So I put my hand up, even though... I didn't know quite what I was going to say. My heart was going a thousand beats per minute. I put my hand up and I shared my experience. And during that time, I said, it doesn't matter if we get 50, 50, 30, 70, 20, 80. If there's anyone, if that be a young man or a middle-aged man, no matter what walk of life they are from in Australia, and if they think that they can't do nursing because of the way society portrays men and the stereotypes of masculinity then we failed as a community so i mean i've always been really reluctant to put a number on you know by 2030 we want to be 30 men in the australian workforce mm. because i think in that way um, it's not really the root of what this campaign's about although um, if there were to be national strategies put in place to increase the amount of people joining the profession even men and women We'll definitely be happy to work with any other groups that are doing that. But in terms of giving a specific number at this point in time, that's not the working party's goal. 
Mm. It is interesting, I think, what you say about the community and, and if, how we have failed if in 2019 that can't be an option. And it is interesting around those stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I started off from a very, I guess, a innocent comment in a crowd and it's blown up to a national-wide campaign. It's but, gold. <laughs> absolute gold. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. So in many aspects, there can be perceptions within the profession, but also it can be within a workplace, it can be within a hospital service, it can be within any pockets. But in some cases, I guess it's just opening a wider public awareness and a wider way of thinking that no matter whether you're male or female, you're actually a professional, you've done the same amount of training as your female or male colleague. And also just in the same way that we have people on our wards and units that we know do very, very well with people who are children or people who are elderly. And you know that they've got a special touch just purely because who they are and their personality, that they do really, really well with that sort of demographic of patient. So I think it's always coming back to diversity only strengthens our healthcare system and we should always embrace that. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about your story is the men in nursing is an incredible story and it's a campaign that is really important to be heard. But the other thing is your ability to get people to hear it because I Googled you, of course, and your mentions, internet speaking, are far and wide. You've come up on the ABC, the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Journal, the Australian College of Nursing, of course. Crokey has reported on your story. I mean, you are becoming the ultimate nurse influencer. And I wanted to touch on that because there are many nurses out there who feel very passionately about their own vision for nursing, which might be really different. It might be being really passionate about advocating for community or residential aged care or nursing as independent autonomous practitioners. And they really haven't got the first clue about how to get their message out there. So mm. tell me about how you have been so successful about getting your vision so well heard. Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up. I'm actually going to... Western Australia to the uh, Nursing and Midwifery Leadership Conference um, next week. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. So it's because it's a great question. There's no special recipe or guidebook to become someone who becomes, um, I guess, in my position, who can be very vocally heard across the media about, about my passion. But it's about always staying true to your messages. And one thing I've learned more than anything during this campaign and especially during my public speaking, is that even though there are as many people who support you and encourage you, you'll get those people who also do not like what you're saying. So I find and observe sometimes when people generally speak, we tend to cap or adjust the way we speak to get the widest acceptance range, if that makes sense, making sure we're not rocking too many boats. In terms of the way I've done it, I've always been considerate, respectful, and shown everyone that I'm not a threat to anyone's ideologies or the way they may think about any particular topic. But at the same time, I always stay true to my values, always to my beliefs, and because at the end of the day, when I go to sleep, I have to be comfortable with what I've said or what I've publicly put out because I'm representing a lot of people who do support me. And in those ways, I've found that I've been very lucky because this could have been a 50-50 chance what I do speak from my truth, people may not like that. And you're right, I probably wouldn't have been on the ABC or I wouldn't have been on Croaky, wouldn't have been asked to be a keynote speaker. But it just so happens that my particular message and my authenticity is being really well received at the moment. And I think 
if I gave any advice to people who want to spread their message is stay true to themselves, be authentic, but at the same time, get support and help because during this massive year, I've had much support. It's not just me doing it. Like I've had the amazing support of my wife, friends, family, and also the, all the wonderful staff in the college. And I've had exceptional mentors as well that have guided me along the way. So yeah. by no means this is a, a one-man show. Yeah. And I think what you said about what was really important is the Greg Hunt part. Like you stood up and you really didn't know what you were going to say. It's not like at that point you had a very well-polished, defined agenda where you thought that was going. You just had something you felt really passionately about with someone that was ready to hear it and an audience that was ready to hear it. And I imagine there are many nurses out there that are in that similar situation that would be reluctant to stand up because they think, oh, I don't really know what I'm going to say. It's safer not to. But you went, oh, I'll just get up and say it. And now it's evolved into something really powerful. But everything starts somewhere in its raw sense, doesn't it? Uh, It definitely does. And, I mean, if I could give another tip, be engaged. Because if I wasn't engaged, I wouldn't have been at that conference to begin with. <laughs> and, yes. and that opportunity would have never come about. The question that I always ask every one of our guests is, based on what you're doing with your work in men in nursing, what is it that you wish all nurses knew about empowerment so that they can live their best nursing life? Yeah. So specific to men in nursing, if there was any young man or boy who even thought about doing nursing and maybe during primary school, high school, has always got these subtle notions that nursing is a girl's job. I would say branch out, look at the resources that the Men in Nursing campaign have now released to the public. So definitely go and have a look and a read of the Men in Nursing ebook, which is found on the ACM website, which is acm.edu.au forward slash men in nursing. And, and read those stories. Read how they personally overcome obstacles and barriers and how that at the same time they are able to write a very rich and fulfilled career where they've helped so many people. So in those ways, always live your true self and be a person who continues to support and be in a career that is actually there to help people from all walks of life. Luke, thanks so much for being our guest at the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium and thanks for sharing the work and that your advocacy does to support nursing, both men and women, to be so empowered. It's amazing. Oh, thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. See you, Luke. Bye. So, what did you think of Luke? Look, very interesting topic, Nick. It's a really difficult one to talk about and I've been thinking about it since I did the interview when I knew you and I had been chatting about because most of the things that I want to say on the topic is going to get me in a situation where I'm going to be speaking from stereotypes. But ultimately, men have been in nursing forever. They've never not been in nursing. The lesson learned, I think, from Luke's voice is the fact that we can't seem to get above 10%. It's been 10% historically and without changing something that we're doing, it's going to stay at 10%. And so what is it that we need to do? Any kind of diversity is going to be beneficial for our profession. I agree. And and the latest report that's come out about educating the nurse of the future identifies we need 
diversity in order for the profession to grow and meet the needs of the community. And whether that's by supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to be coming into the profession, whether that's more men in the profession, different cultural backgrounds in the profession, diversity can only be a good thing in meeting the needs of the wider community. Yeah, and this is something obviously I base all of my education around, so it's definitely part of the song that I sing in terms of diversity in that generational diversity is really powerful. The fact that there's been a nurse working in the unit that's been there for 30, 40, 50 years can bring a level of experience that a millennial cannot, yet a millennial brings something in terms of they're very disruptive and they challenge the status quo and you know, that level of diversity is very, very powerful, as is cultural diversity, learning about other cultures, because ultimately I'm going to be nursing another culture. So it's really handy to have someone that I can learn from who's part of my team. And of course, gender diversity and people that just think differently, that cognitive diversity. So just having that enormous skew of 90% women sets us up for some level of groupthink that I think would be really beneficial if we disrupted that. I agree. And we we aren't the only profession that has a gender bias. Like medicine, when you think of doctor, you usually think of male. Mm. So medicine is the opposite to nursing. So predominantly male with more women going into the profession but still being seen as predominantly male, where law, in recent times, they've had a transition that they've reached a large enough number of female practitioners now that you don't necessarily associate lawyer with man. So it's an interesting case study, really, isn't it? Because I think you're right. When I think of banker, for example, I do think of man. When I think of doctor, you know, if I'm writing doctor, I have a propensity to write he. When I write nurse, I have a propensity to write she. But when there's lawyers, that doesn't necessarily come out. And I think they are reasonably close to 50-50, are they not? Mm. So I wonder what they did. There's a critical mass at some point in between that number where suddenly it just uh, pulls down those barriers where it's not abnormal and the Lukes of the world won't get their granddad going, oh, really, you're going to be nurse? Yeah, wasn't that awful? God love you. Yeah, and so at some point there would have been women going into law and they're like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer, that's, you know, a man's job. And at some point at 30% or is it 45% or is it 12% where people went, oh, yeah. That's right, that it's accepted. And that's what we need to be able to do. And I was actually in the audience when Luke stood up that day. I was at oh, the were you? Yeah, yeah. I was at, I you was were at, there when it began. I was there when he was born. <laughs> so I was Publicly at the speaking. conference. Yes, yes, um, policy speaking. Um, at the conference, Greg Hunt had finished Luke was very articulate and identified the issues and grown from there. And I think that's a fabulous thing that both Luke has a platform to be able to express the view and the ACN has taken it on to be able to identify both the stories and I thought that was interesting. The the ebook is available to anyone who would like to download it and, and the stories are very, very interesting. And from those stories, I suppose, we can look at how 
the profession can grow that 10% to get to, as you say, the tipping point when we're not necessarily known as the female profession. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting study in terms of it, it is difficult to know what things, and, and that working party that Luke is chairing is looking at a number of things and strategies to be able to, um, I mean, the term is break down the barriers, but it is that I wonder what the point is and what we need to do differently. Uh, because I think I would find that difficult. If I was in school right now and I knew that I was choosing and had a desire to choose a profession that was the reverse, that was 90% men and 10% women, which meant, right, if I go into that unit or my work unit and it's a unit of 50 people, that means there's only going to be other, another four other women and 45 blokes. And I would instantly think, God, what would I talk about in the tea room? Mm. Um, and I would find that difficult. Some people find that not difficult and they have been the trailblazers and God love them, they have done amazing things. But I can see how that number in itself, if, if it was 30% and you'd think, oh, well, two people in the tea room are blokes and one is going to be a girl and, you know, that's going to be okay, but the tipping point is probably not 10 percent and so what do we need to do differently in our units in our clinical units to make it more appealing for a bloke to walk in sit down and have a chat and that's probably a bit of reverse sexism isn't it i think the when you were discussing it with luke he he spoke about uh one of the stories of one of the guys who trained within the hospital system and the director of nursing that had employed him was not the director of nursing when he took on the job and that person wasn't that happy what we need to be able to do if we truly want to embrace diversity and it is the best thing for the profession, then we have to break down sexist barriers. And as women, we talk about sexism, we wang on about sexism, we have misogyny and all those things. Rightfully, I must say to you, rightfully, mm. I, I, mm. I, I believe that the issues exist. But for men in our profession, they suffer the brunt of reverse sexism towards them. And I know that I probably do that unconsciously. But as a group of women that walk around the rest of our worlds and deal with misogyny, like I can't get my tyres changed without some bloke standing over me calling me little lady, basically. I know that I do things like that unconsciously. Like when I'm writing, I will refer to a nurse as she and my propensity to call people sister, yeah. <laughs> which I'm really loath to give up because I love it. But I know that I do things unconsciously that must be sending a message to someone that I may be in the room at a barbecue or at a family barbecue and I'm referring to a whole lot of things that are female-centric that is still sending the message to that kid who's 16 and putting his university preferences in going, oh, right, so it's still really female-based, right, I better not think about that then. Maybe I've done that unconsciously and didn't even know. And, but that is that is what sexism is. I don't think the majority of men out there actually want to keep women chained to the sink with an apron on or, mm. God, God bless you, little lady, can I assist you while you're changing that tyre? Mm. They, they don't see, I, I don't think they knowingly see the limiting behaviour that they put forward because they see it as trying to assist. But until 
we can talk about a profession and not have a gender picture in our brain, mm. will there be that equality and the level of cross-the-board representation that we're looking for? Mm. I was just thinking if you're working in a unit and there's 10 of you working, so if we work on current percentages, there's going to be one bloke and nine women. Mm. Um, The conversation in the tea room, the way in which we interact, and it shouldn't happen. As professionals, we need to talk in a professional setting. But there are mores that guide gender discussion. Yes, your interaction. Uh, the fact that I would call you sister, you know, oh, sister, are you, are you ready? Which is just a joke between two female colleagues. Mm. But the same joke between two male colleagues. No, weird. we would not accept it. But, you mm. know, we would say, how dare you? You're not being inclusive. Mm. But that can be said against us by a male, Arian. Yeah. Absolutely. The females within the profession need to take on board that issue of sexism and what we would take a front at. Mm. And there's 10% of our profession who may be taking a front at what we do on a daily basis. And maybe that's worthwhile thinking about. If I spent some time thinking about what unconscious bias I do every day, I probably over time come up with quite a few things. And that's perhaps where we start in terms of getting our profession more diverse because yep. diversity is such a good thing. So just those little ways that you do every day, the AC and working party are going to do amazing things, but it has to start at that, to coin a very cliched phrase, that grassroots level where those biases that we are now currently unaware that we're even doing, you start thinking about which may open doors for people to be more comfortable coming into the profession. Yeah. And to change ingrained cultural mores is not going to be an easy task. So it's not something that you can say by November 21, Uh. it's all going to be over. But we need to start having the conversation. We need to start having the conversation about why can't we get it above 10% Uh. and why isn't it seen as a career choice for 50% of the population? Because it's not weird in the community to go to a male obstetrician. No. Yet somehow it's weird to be seen by a male midwife. You would think it's the intimacy, the nature and the intimacy of the nursing role that precludes the community to think of it as a female profession, yet we turn up to a male gynaecologist. Yes. And the majority of male patients don't have a problem with a female nurse no. providing care. Exactly. I mean, there are far more intelligent and clever individuals out there doing copious amounts of research into this, I'm sure, Nicole. Mm, But the ACN and Luke are starting this conversation. As you rightfully said, men have been in nursing forever. Mm. Um, But the ACN and Luke have started the conversation and it's reliant upon all nurses to have that conversation within their workplace. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a good sort of call to action, I think, is that that might be a conversation to be having in the tea room that if we know that diversity and there's enormous amount of research to say diversity is good for us and certainly when we've got workplaces that can be 
not so healthy. Perhaps bringing more diversity into that workplace in whatever form is a good thing. And that's a conversation to be having in the tea rooms across Australia and internationally. What is it that we do that creates that unconscious bias that we perpetuate that nursing is a female's job? And what is it that we can do differently in this unit to make it okay for men to care? That's a lovely way to end, Nicole. Thank you very much, Sue. It is okay for men to care. And we shall touch base next time. Sister, see, I can't give it up. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to talking with you again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Nursing and Midwifery Emporium. Make sure you visit us at the website www.nmemporium.com to subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to put someone forward for us to interview, go to the same website and just click on the button. See you guys. Take care. Bye.